I've never been in a prison before, let alone an mm -hmm. African women's prison. And Francine's like, I want you to go and paint a mural in the prison. This is the Bold Artist Podcast, where we talk about being brave and finding creative freedom. You want to get those beautiful things inside of your head out onto canvas? We're going to talk to real life artists and learn the skills and the courage it takes to do just that. I'm your host, Mary Janelle, a multi-form artist and creativity mentor, joined often by my co-host, Sharla Marskalk, painter of colorful portraits and founder of Bold School, an online space to learn bold color painting. Welcome, and let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to the Bold Artist Podcast. Today I'm here with Charlotte Marskalk and we're having a continuation of the talk we had in last week's episode. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't already listened or watched last week's episode, it's gonna be important for you to understand this week because we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into Charlotte's personal story of how impactful her trip to Kenya was, how it left a mark on her life and her art, and has since then been a ripple effect through her starting Bold School and um, founding her online painting classes. And so last week's episode really, it laid the foundation, didn't it, Charlotte? There, our listeners and watchers are gonna mm -hmm. have to, to know the heart um, and what you were doing in Africa through last week's episode to really get the full scope of, of today's show. Yeah, yeah. Um, this Today I'm gonna to tell the story from a little bit of a different angle and, and a, a story I have never told before. Mm. I really have never, I've only talked about this with my closest friends and family members. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing for me to talk about on a few different levels because it was one of the most impactful moments of my entire life. Mm. It's a very, it's a moment that's filled with, with God and my relationship and who he is and what he means to me. Mm -hmm. And um, so I find that a very vulnerable thing to discuss on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, I usually cry. So this is a hard thing. Get the Kleenex out. <laughs> Charla's going to cry. We're all going to cry with her. <laughs> I um, can feel but, it. Um, <laughs> but first of all, I could feel at the end of last week's episode, I could sense it going there because we began to talk about what really pierced your heart in Africa. Yeah. And I thanked you at the end of last week's episode, I thanked you for being vulnerable enough to share and let Africa pierce your heart to then have the ripple effect it's having today through the Bold School community. Mm -hmm. And that's just one part of how it's had a ripple effect. Um, there's so much more, but I could feel us getting to that point where I'm like, where is that <laughs> tissue box? <laughs> well, one uh, thing I learned in Kenya was how to talk through crying or how to Aww. how to actually just not cry at all. I learned that because every time I tried <laughs> to talk to people, well, in front of a group of people, I would cry. I was just, mm. I was like a wreck there for a little while because of this experience mm. that I had, uh, which was in a prison, by the way, the prison okay. experience, I'd like to call it. So to, that's all I know so far, just to <laughs> let everyone experience. know. All I know is that today we're talking about the prison. And so Sharla, uh, first, I, I, I am going to trust that everyone's listened to last week's episode. So they know the setting is in Kenya. And so now paint the picture for us again. What part of Kenya are we in and, and what is this prison? Yeah, so I went to Kenya. We went 
um, it's about, we went to a town called Catali, which is about an eight-hour drive from Nairobi. I don't know the kilometers. I always tell my distances by hours of driving. Now these aren't bad roads, so it's uh, slow driving. Uh, but it was it's almost on the other side of Kenya from Nairobi. Um, it's inland. So we were in Katali for almost three weeks. And the people that we went with, who are called Larry and Francine, they're Canadians who'd been living in Kenya for about 10 years, working with kids there, set up a medical clinic there. I went to Kenya with my friend who was a doctor for the work that she was wanting to do, just personal work that she wanted to do there. Um, I had been to Africa before. My husband's from Zimbabwe, so Africa itself was not new to me. And I had done missions trips when I was younger, so that was also not a new experience for me. And I've traveled mm -hmm. lots. Mm -hmm. But what happened while I was in Katali was something I've never experienced mm -hmm. before. And I think it was just a pivotal moment in my life in that time and in my, I'll say career. Career sounds mm -hmm. so, so like... Um, like a uh, sterile but mm. my career my work and my art are mm -hmm. who I make up a big part of who I am and everything that I do so mm -hmm. it was a big part of of that part of me a big moment for that part of me so that began back we went to Kenya in in the end of January in 2019 so that fall Larry and Francine were back in Canada where they usually come back once a year to fundraise and to just come home and have a break from the work that they do because it's 24-7 what they do. Mm -hmm. um, so they were here and I met them for the first time at Alana's house, which was a really good idea because we were going to go work with them for three weeks. So it was a good idea to meet them. So we went over there to meet and ask questions and talk about the trip. And I was like, well, I'm just going to bring my camera and hang out for three weeks. Is that okay? And <laughs> Francine's like, yeah, I'm so excited. And she's got this really beautiful French accent. And she's like, Charlotte, I'm so excited to meet you. So Francine mm -hmm. is an artist and she's a photographer and she loves to paint. So wow. that was amazing. And or I just love her on a deeper level because of it now that I know her well. But mm -hmm. in the, that moment, I was like, oh, crap, like. I was going to be the big photographer. <laughs> I was going to come and take all these beautiful photos so you could like mm. use them in your fundraising efforts or something. And now I find out they already have, like she's not just says she's a photographer. She's a good photographer. Wow. She has amazing photographs of, of work that they have done over the years. And, and she has these beautiful portraits in her house that she paints. And I suddenly felt even more obsolete. And it, mm. this is just that, the moment. I'm like, I'm going to mm -hmm. trudge forward and I'm going to go anyways. And then uh, Larry and Francine are like, Charlotte, as soon as we heard you were coming, we knew exactly what we wanted you to do. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what? And they're like, we have a prison ministry where we go in and we we hang out with, she Francine goes in the women's prison, Larry and the other guys, the local guys that they work with, David and Gideon, go to the, the male prison. And they they just teach them they like Francine has done art workshops in the prisons mm -hmm. and they do things like she held a fashion show for the ladies in the prison wow. there's so much story behind um the prison itself you know the people that are there in prison especially in the women's prison are not necessarily there because they did something wrong they're often there because they're a woman and mm -hmm. somebody like their husband didn't like them anymore and they mm -hmm. or they had to do something like um steal or maybe they stole food or mm -hmm. they were caught in adultery which was a reason to go to prison 
or there were women there who murdered their husbands and the reasons they did that were because their husbands were beating them daily and they were just defending themselves and ended up killing their husband like there are people who have committed crimes as well but the women are there because they've lived hard lives and they they don't know what to do to help themselves mm-hmm. so Larry and Francine go in to educate, to teach, to support. This prison was very interesting because a lot of women there are pregnant. Many of them are not pregnant when they go in. So you can imagine how they get pregnant. Mm. It's a women's prison. Um, They get pregnant by the guards and they're pretty much, um, I think the story went, well, I don't know, I probably shouldn't go into too many details about that. But anyways, many of the women were pregnant and they are giving birth in prison. So they're allowed to keep their children there until they're four years old or five years old. And these, so there's children in the prison running around everywhere. So the women need support for becoming moms while they're in prison. And they also often have to say goodbye to their kids because the kids have to leave when they're four or five years old and the moms are sometimes still there. Then there's the aftermath of prison when they leave they could possibly excommunicate it from their families and their communities. So they have to figure out how to survive when they get out of prison. So there's, there's so much support needed. These ladies are also wearing, um, like a, almost, it looks like just a, a robe and they have no undergarments and the robes are often like these striped dresses are often mm-hmm. like falling apart at the seams and they're ripped and so something that, that Francine does in the ministry is bring them underwear, which is a huge deal for them to have underwear oh. to wear. Wow. So, you know, these are the types of things that are happening there. So I've never been in a prison before, let alone an mm-hmm. African women's prison. Mm-hmm. And Francine's like, I want you to go and paint a mural in the prison, in the women's prison. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do what? <laughs> like, wow. Paint a mural in a prison? I... I don't paint murals and I don't go into prisons. So I just... <laughs> and did you know this before you even went to Africa that you Yeah, were so this was okay. at the meeting with them in the fall where I realized okay. that Francine was a, already a photographer and an artist. What did they need me for? And she's like... But they had we, some plans for you. <laughs> she, said, she said, last week, I literally prayed that somebody would come and paint a mural. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Wow. Um, And the interesting thing was for the last few years before that, I was painting backdrops at my kids' school for their drama production, which was a pretty big production. And -hmm. I was painting backdrops for them, which was a giant thorn in my side because it was not fun. (laughs) It was nights, long nights of doing these. So I had actually created processes to make, to speed this up. And so I could have a team and I could have people come in who weren't even artists to help me and get these backdrops finished. So I was Mm -hmm. like, all of these things I've learned in painting backdrops, I'm gonna take Mm -hmm. into this prison. And I had two of the other girls from our team uh, said that they would come to the prison with me. So there's three of us and we would paint this mural together. So that became my, the one goal that I had while in Kenya. The one thing I was going to do was my project and I had to make happen. So, um, I designed the mural. They sent me photos and sizes of what I was going to paint on this giant, uh, like storage container almost. It was a really giant thing. It was like a storage Mm. container. Um, and I would have that surface to paint on. And I would be able to hopefully get paint (laughs) 
hopefully. Right. And, <laughs> That'd be an important part of this process. Yeah. <laughs> so we would have to get paint, but it would be limited. And I probably wouldn't have many colors. So I decided I would need to be able to paint it with just basic three primary colors. Mm-hmm. And if you're and if you've ever painted before you know that not every blue is created alike so I was going to have to be able to have to work with what I had so I had to create it with that in mind and so I created a portrait I had created a mural with portraits of mothers and children and in Africa one Mm. of the there's a, a, a tribe there and not all tribes are the same their traditions and cultures are different and they're often warring with each other Um, But there is one tribe that wears, you've probably seen them, like beaded necklaces around their neck. And they often like have long stretched out necks because Mm. they they add these beads and layers of beads. And I think several cultures wear the beads, Mm -hmm. but the beads tell stories of their their tribe and their family. So uh, these aren't the exact stories, but just as an example, you know, if you get married, you put on a certain colors of beads around your neck. And then when you have okay. children, you have more. And and so your beads tell your story mm-hmm. in your community and, and probably mm-hmm. uh, give you status. So they're mm-hmm. important. So and I love the Francine had all these incredible photos of all these different tribes that they had worked with. And she had these women with all these beads around their neck. And I'm like, I love that idea that these beads tell the story of your family. And these women, as a woman and a mother, I'm thinking, even though they're in prison and there's a whole lot of stuff going on around them, they've got children. And what's your number one Mm -hmm. priority in life when you're a mom? It's your child. So if I was in their place, I thought my number one thought would be, how do I raise a child in prison? How do I let him go out without me? in this world this crazy world that i can't really mm-hmm. trust you know what what is mm-hmm. that would be my number one concern is how do i raise my child and how do i mm-hmm. protect him when he's leaving and i'm still here wow. so i i painted i created the mural of these these women with the stories around their neck and then these beads kind of came off of their neck like trailed up into the sky and became flowers and these little kids were actually kind of reaching up to to grab these flowers and these beads and the idea was that the seeds like they were seeds turning into flowers and the children were getting the flowers so the idea was that beautiful the seeds that the mother plants into the soul and the spirit of her child when he's young will go with them wherever they go no matter if Mm -hmm. mom is there or not and that's true Mm -hmm. for us here you know like Mm -hmm. i have a 17 year old that's graduating Mm -hmm. and mary you have graduated children (laughs) i'm like you're in the world and i'm hoping that i was able to plant some good seeds so that you can use them in in the time that you need them Mm-hmm. So um, I felt like that was a, a pretty basic message, you know, it was a normal message for a mom. And, and I, but I wanted to encourage them that I understood that they're not alone. You know, there's more people, the whole world understands. Mm-hmm. So I do this. And I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. You know, and I, was, I got it all figured out. And then the day comes and this is where it gets, this is where everything's changed for me. So, so far up until this point, you have designed this mural. It's, it's yeah. in your heart and head, probably sketched, and you're hoping to get the paint. So, yeah. We've, okay. Yeah, and we've gotten, we get there and we get the paint and we get the brushes. Okay. We got everything yeah. that we needed. I mean, they were very basic supplies, uh, yeah. what I had expected, but I had designed it so that I could work with that. And I had two ladies coming with me. 
Um, so we were painters or you were, or they were just going to take direction from you. They were just taking direction from me. Okay. And so we're, we're headed out to the prison and it's Francine and me and the other two girls. And it was Maureen and Julie. And, uh, I was like, so Which Francine. I found out I know Maureen, by the way. I didn't know that until. The oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just cool. throw that in there. Hi, Maureen. <laughs> um, so we're driving to the prison and I could just, I could like feel the weight. I'm, I'm going to try and be really vulnerable and really like yeah. just tell everything that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And, I could like feel the weight of of it. I didn't even realize what the, the weight was, but we're driving and we we mm. cross the the we go in we cross the barrier to the prison, and Francine's like, okay guys, you need to realize this is a prison. Like these guards are serious. Like you, there's a right. lot you can't do in here. There's a lot you can't say. We just the fact that this white woman is allowed to cross into here and have authority in this prison, which they've granted to her because of the work that she had done there mm-hmm. and the impact that she had had. They've granted this to her. She's like, we cannot take this for granted. Like we have to respect it because they can take this away at like mm-hmm. a glance. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, my goodness, like I, I could wreck this for if I do this wrong, if I do something wrong. Mm-hmm. so we're terrified you know like we're getting in there yeah. we're terrified so we cross in and we go and uh we, we cross through one gate but we're still not in the actual prison and then we're we go to the 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 prison head person whatever they're called the what is the prison it's the same name there as it is in every movie i forget what they're called uh this lady the like the highest authority of the prison <laughs> yeah I, I'm drawing a blank too I totally drawing a blank <laughs> so we meet her and she's like well you know I don't know maybe you'll get in maybe you won't and we're like uh okay, okay. so she leaves us there and we're just standing at the gate and Francine's like, oh, like we need to get in. Like we had, we are on a tight schedule because we're going to Pukai. We hadn't gone yet. And she's like, we have three days to get this done. And we're like, okay, well, maybe it's not going to work out. And I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> like maybe it's not going to work out. I'm good with leaving. <laughs> and and then I'm like, and Francine, you're not going to leave us here, right? Like you're not just going to leave us out of the prison. You're staying. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be here. So we're waiting. And all of a sudden we hear drums playing, all these drums playing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, they're playing drums and we're outside the the prison walls. We're missing this amazing, like all these women are in there playing drums and singing and we're missing it. And then all of a sudden they open up the gate and they're like, come in. And what had happened was they went in and they gathered all the women together in like the, the yard and they brought out their drums and they wanted to greet us in songs and we this this is is, not what i was (laughs) expecting (laughs) me neither (laughs) and i'm i'm trying to stay in my head right now because as soon as i i try to enter into the emotion of that moment this is where i lost it um so we walk Mm -hmm. into the prison and like this is this is the reason I'm there is to paint this mural. And I was like, okay, just let me in the prison so I can paint the mural. And we get greeted by every prisoner, every woman that was being held as a prisoner there, singing. And they weren't just singing a, a song; they were singing like Amazing Grace. Like it's wow. <sighs> yeah, I can feel myself. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, and so, funny enough, we were talking about having Kleenex nearby, and I don't have yeah. nearby, so. <laughs> So, okay. 
Um, so we're walking in and I'm realizing these women are like worshiping God, <laughs> you know, like these are wow. not just some, it wasn't even, it was an African language, but I could understand the melody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we walk in mm-hmm. and they just want to meet us. And every single one of them wanted to greet us. They wanted to shake our hand and hug us every single woman. Mm-hmm. So all like there, there were the four of us. And as we went down the line and, and physically greeted every single woman, all of us just, just started to cry. Like our heart just over poured with, uh, it was just love. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, but the fact that these women were, I mean, living and what I would think would be one of the worst lives to live imprisoned in Africa in a prison in Africa, they were in bare feet, their clothes are falling off of them. They have babies on their hips and they're in prison and they were greeting us with smiles and love and songs mm-hmm. and it was amazing. So yeah. the emotion of that was was great <laughs> and I was yeah. just bawling my eyes out, tears just rolling down my cheeks. I didn't even know I was crying. It was just I it was just happening. It was just a response. And so we they all sat down and the prison guard came up and spoke and introduced us in and we had a translator so speaking through a translator is also very difficult and then francine gets up and introduces me and she's like and charlotte is going to explain what she's here to do and i'm like i'm gonna what <laughs> i'm still bawling my <laughs> eyes out i cannot compose myself um and she and she's like welcome Sharla to the stand to speak. Uh, I'm like, I can't speak. So I have to get up and now tell them what I'm going to do. And I'm seeing for the first time where I'm going to paint. And it's like the, the whole prison yard is here. And there's a big building over here where they, I never went in it. So, but this is where I think they go to eat and stuff. And then on the other side, so there's a big water, a, a water container in the middle where they get their drinking water from. And on the other side is this big wall where I'm going to paint. And basically, it's just the prison yard and this painting wall where I'm going to stand for three days and paint with these women watching me. And so I'm explaining to them what I'm going to paint. So I'm like... Okay, I'm going to be here with you guys for a couple of days. And Is someone translating what, what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, and they're yeah. translating. And I want them to know the heart that I've come with, like that this was mm-hmm. for them. And I have pictures of it, and I want to explain mm-hmm. what it means so that they can understand the message, and, and hopefully it will be beautiful and impact them. Mm-hmm. And as I'm telling the story, they, they start to cry. Mm-hmm. And... Again, I'm I'm controlling myself here a lot. This is hard for me to tell um, and stay <laughs> stay able to speak. So I'm like shaking. Um, so they start crying and they're overwhelmed with emotion and they want to hug me again. And they're they want to say like how grateful they are. So it's, I think some of them did speak and was translated to me about how excited they were and how grateful they were. Oh, yeah. So that happened and i i finished my story i got it all out and we greeted and hugged again and and i think we did a few other things and then we left for the day and as we i was still crying and as we walked out of the of the prison i was i cried and i cried i got in the car 
drove back to the house. I cried the whole way in the car. Mm-hmm. I went in my room and I sat on my bed and I cried for hours, <laughs> like hours. And so Alana comes in and she's like, Charlotte, you need to write down what you're feeling because something is transforming in you right now. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I just need this all to come out. So I start writing and I just started to realize, and this is what I referred to in the last, well, you referred to actually Mary Jane on the last podcast. I just had this heart piercing moment and it wasn't meeting these kids on the street that just stole my heart. These little boys that were living on the street or the Pocot kids or the amazing families that were taking kids off the street and they had like 12 street kids living in their little houses and they're providing for them. Those those things were incredible and eye-opening and life-changing. But when I drove away from the prison that first day, I realized that here I was an artist. Um, I have to say this with great composure. Uh, an artist who... So me included and many people that I've met before and since then who say our work is just is not important. Our work is for me in my studio alone and I'm not going to show the world. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm not even going to paint because I don't even feel like I'm worthy enough to even paint because it's a useless thing to do. Mm-hmm. Here I was one of those artists on the other side of the world. I was I was taken to the other side of the world so that I could carry a message to these women who some would call the outcasts or the the lowest caste of society and deem unimportant and unworthy of anything. Here they were, and I traveled across the world as a messenger to bring them a message of love Mm. through art. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Compose myself again like through art. It wasn't money. It wasn't here's a thousand dollars to go buy a new hut for you and your child or get some underwear or some clothes or food to eat. It was art and it was impacting them. It, they were, they were so grateful and so thankful and they hadn't even seen it yet. They didn't even know me or what I could accomplish, what I could do but it was impacting them. And I mean, and when it was done, which I did finish it, they had a piece of colorful art that reminded mm-hmm. them every day who they are and wow. the power that they get to carry into their children's hearts. You know, that was the message. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't from me. This, this wasn't me. I was a messenger. This is where, this is why I say this was an experience with my faith and my trust in, in my God and my creator and my savior, mm-hmm. because he, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to cry on my podcast. <laughs> I don't want to cry if I don't cry in front of anybody. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that he loves them so much that he needed a person to be willing to go there and suffer in that heat and be terrified and scared and all the rest of it but he needed somebody to go there and give them this message that they are loved and they're cared for and they're watched over and their lives matter and not just their lives but their lives of their children that were born in prison and quite possibly out of rape those children mattered and their lives mattered and that was what i was there for and it was so overwhelming i couldn't i couldn't not just i had to cry to let all that out because i wouldn't have been able to accomplish the the feat that i was there to do 
And it, it was just a moment. What I wrote in my journal when I, when I read it back, because I can't really even remember all that came out of me that day, was the importance of of the work that we do as artists you know and and this is the message i preach if you've been in my school or heard me talk at all it's the message i preach is that you have a unique message to give to the world and you have the power to impact people's lives and change them and i don't actually say that right in the intro of the podcast yeah (laughs) it's right in the intro your voice matters yeah matter your art matters the world needs to see it and and hear your voice and I say it because I experienced it in that yes. moment. And it, it wasn't even, it wasn't about me. It was like something was, was moving and flowing through me. It couldn't have happened if I was unwilling to use my hands to paint it. Mm-hmm. If I was unwilling to get on that plane. When I bought the ticket to go there, I didn't have any money. Like we were just scraping money together so that I could go like none of that was easy for me or our family at the time and I could have easily said no at so many places and I did not know that that moment was going to have the impact on me like it did or on the people there like it did and it was something that I did and I left there and I've I've thought a a lot over the last few years about even sharing that message because it didn't want to share it and for it to be um uh like become un become unimportant or or like go viral or or be something that people are think that I'm trying to make money off of like it's it's something so deep so powerful so special I only want to tell the story so that people can hear it so that they can do that and they can know that they can do what I what I did in the sense of knowing how important their work is it's not about making money or or starting a business or being famous or 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 doing good work or feeling good about yourself because you did something good you went to Kenya and helped some orphans like it's Mm -hmm. not that it's that your work is powerful here there's people here there's people on your street that need to hear it in your town Mm -hmm. in your city you don't necessarily have to go across the world Mm -hmm. for me it was that that I was taken from another one country to the next in a place that I couldn't even speak mm-hmm. to the people. And I was mm-hmm. able to give a visual message to them that would impact them yes. and is still impacting people there yes. now that never met the team that painted it. But there's people coming in and it's still being impacted mm-hmm. in their lives. And I feel like the tears and that deep release of emotion was you coming face to face with purpose like spiritual purpose not just purpose with your talent we can be purposeful all day to paint and mm-hmm. you know render images but deep deep spiritual purpose where you were knowing i'm on the face of the earth right now for this moment for these people for mm-hmm. this painting and you know you'd think that you'd hear from an artist Oh, one of my most impactful, I'm making something up right now, but my most impactful moment is when I hung in this prestigious gallery and this famous person complimented my work, which is great. Those are highlights of careers, but what you've described here goes beyond all of that superficial career highlight, monetary value kind of work it goes Mm -hmm. way beyond to a deep deep spiritual meaning that i'm here for this moment in time with this 
spiritual purpose using my artwork, using the gifts I was given to create with. And that I can see, I I can see and understand. I feel like the impact that Mm -hmm. it had on you. Yeah. I, I feel like I'll never have a moment like that again. Like that, Mm -hmm. that moment, I think, I think the way I described it at the end of the night when Alana came back in, she's like, are you ready to talk about what's happened? I was like, (laughs) I don't know if I could talk yet, but I said, I felt like, and I, Mm. I already have a deep connection with, with God and who he is. Mm. And I've, I've, I know, I feel like I know him deeply. I know him well. And I said on this, at this moment, I feel like this is the surface of who God is, who he's created me to be Mm. and his love for me. And I'm just right here. (laughs) That's what I learned today. I realized Mm. that, or maybe I'm just under the surface. I'm like, Mm. I realized that I just learned a lot more than I ever thought I was going to learn in my lifetime. Mm. And I realized there's so much more more. that this was just Mm. the surface of what is actually happening in Mm. our lives and relationships. If we're willing to trust and move forward. Mm -hmm. And I know not everybody here believes in, in the spiritual world, let alone a God who created us. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do. So I'm just speaking very openly about what it all meant to me in -hmm. that moment. And I, I just recognize that I've, I've read the Bible. I've prayed. I've, 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 I've had many moments where I've listened to God or listened for him. Mm -hmm. And I thought I knew him well, which maybe I did, but that day I realized the depth of, Mm -hmm. of love and sacrifice that Mm -hmm. I would probably never understand. I'll never get very far in that. I think that that moment was a moment that might be a once in a lifetime moment of recognizing Mm -hmm. how deep purpose Mm -hmm. and meaning. And I don't know, I don't know. It's it's so hard to even put into words. That's why I just cried for hours. If and I, I just want to say I don't cry like I am not a crier all of my friends are like Charlotte do you even have tears in your eyes I don't cry only maybe yeah, so this in was like... the floodgate opening the yeah floodgate. yeah it's yeah. what was so shocking about it and I think my friends are like I don't know what to do with you right now you're crying yeah. <laughs> so if there's an artist listening and I, I do know that there's a lot of artists who have faithfully listened to listen or watch all the podcasts and and they've grown in this journey with us Charla they've they've heard so much of what you've had to share because it's quite often that it's you and I on a podcast and and now we're here at today's episode where they hear this this deep spiritual journey and their hearts are just as open and and aching and pierced as yours was that day as they're listening to the story which I can imagine a lot of hearts are going to be just really touched from hearing your moment your moment of heart piercing in Africa what would you like to share with that artist today maybe they'll never go there to that soil or to that place in the same kind of story but what would you say to them in their life and in their world as they're feeling with you today? Well, I think like that story feels big because I, I went across the world and I was in a women's prison and you know, it was, it's a, it was a big thing, but that was just, mm-hmm. that was just uh well, one 
a couple of hours. We weren't even there an hour that day um, of my life. You know, that was not, that's not what's needed for something for you to step into these things and step into your purpose or whatever, or whatever you want to call it. I think Mm -hmm. that that began with those first steps, which I talked about in the last podcast of, should I go to Kenya? Am I, is it, do I even have a place there? Like, or am I just going to waste everybody's time and effort? I'm going to take up a seat in the car, you know, like, Mm -hmm. am I just going to be a waste of space? Really? Like you have these, these thoughts about, am, am I important enough to go? Should Mm -hmm. I go? Is this something that's meaningful? But I had to trust that there was purpose and there was a place for me. And it's Mm -hmm. not me, Sharla Marsgalk. It's, it's every single human in the earth has a place somewhere Mm -hmm. and you have to trust that this next step that you're being directed into is going to be purposeful you have to just do it sometimes we make a mistake and we go in the wrong direction but you can only learn from that to go to the next place Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's not about a big step in going to africa or or helping the homeless downtown it's it's not about giving of yourself um to places of need like it's not about that at all mm-hmm. it's why it's, it feels a little cliche that it happened in africa for me it's not about those cliche moments it's just about trusting that your work has a unique purpose and you need to just take the next step into it that was an hour in my life when i came home from kenya nobody knew what i had experienced and i tried mm-hmm. to tell them and they they didn't get it like words like, aren't okay. enough to describe yeah they're mm-hmm. like okay cool you had a deep experience in Africa well isn't that what happens when you go to Africa I don't know I've never been there like you know like that's mm-hmm. that was the response or people were like cool that's amazing can I see the pictures mm-hmm. you know they mm-hmm. love me and they're trying to to connect so what are you going to do with that for the rest of your life when I came mm-hmm. back I had to figure out what am I going to do with that this isn't for my friend, like Mary Janelle, to even necessarily mm-hmm. take something from it's what am I going to do now? Like mm-hmm. I've experienced something now it's, it's up to me to take that and do something with it. So then I had mm-hmm. to take the next step forward. And as so I'm trying to say to anyone that's listening that feels impacted and feels like there's something resonating in your mm-hmm. spirit, mm-hmm. you just have to take the next step forward. It might seem cliche or it might seem like there's no power in it there's no use in it I actually thought I was creating an online class so that I could have some income so I could go back to Kenya and then COVID happened and the world locked down you know like so I did it so I was like well what am I doing this for then I started realizing actually I'm I'm spent sending this message to other people Mm -hmm. and they're being impacted and I was shocked by that I I didn't even realize that's what I was doing Mm -hmm. and then I started seeing what that step had actually opened up. And now we're doing a podcast and I'm telling the story to the world or to the people listening anyways, which I thought I would never do. So I don't know what this is going to open up. So you just have to trust that next step. Mm -hmm. Go with your gut on it. If you're the praying kind, pray and trust that you're being led Mm -hmm. in the right path, even though it doesn't feel easy or it doesn't make sense and you can't see the outcome and you can't see Mm -hmm. what its purpose is like just just do it just go forward and I'm not the first person to preach this message by any means but well and I'm thinking how you mentioned in the beginning of that that this impactful moment happened for you in such a big way like a trip to Africa and in such an extreme way which is 
is amazing. But there, for many of us listening, it could happen in simply going and painting your next painting. Mm-hmm. Simply going to, you know, thinking of outreach, just going to your local soup kitchen or, you know, like whatever. It, it might not be in terms of outreach or mission type of work. Mm-hmm. It could be in, in you know, just um, waving to that neighbor who... <laughs> feels lonely like there it's uh, one thing I've learned here at the bold artist podcast from interviewing um all the different artists and asking them what is your bold brave move that you've made as an artist a lot will have a big story but most have small small brave steps that they've taken that amount Mm -hmm. to bigger things and so I think even in hearing your story and how much it's going to pierce so many hearts and people are going to be at this stage where they're like, what can I do? What can I do to have that moment that impacts me and and makes me feel the kind of purpose Sharla felt? It might not come in a, a big trip or a big, bold move. It could come in just that quiet whisper during mm-hmm. a cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> so. and I think those... You got to also think about the moments that come before and the moments that come after Mm. those big moments. Um, Mm. Like when I started painting the backdrops for my kids' school plays, my kids weren't ever in the plays. And I just, I was a known artist and it just kind of seemed like, oh, I'm the artist. I have to go paint the backdrops Mm. and I don't (laughs) have time. I'm like spending every night of my life there. And it was insane. Mm. And I did it for three years and every year... I tried to make the process better. And every year I complained every minute I painted. (laughs) And I'm like, what am I? Why am I here? It seemed like it served zero purpose in my Mm. life. And yet I felt a massive, almost like magnetic pull to do it. Like this physical thing was pulling me in there. And I'm like, is this guilt or is this like, Mm. what am I doing and why Mm -hmm. am I doing? I didn't understand it but I never felt released from it in my spirit. So I did it. Mm. I kept doing it. And that weird little uncomfortable, unenjoyable step. (laughs) And even like on opening the very first time I did the backdrops, I put my heart and soul in these backdrops and the play happened Mm. and nobody talked about the backdrops. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Like there was, there was no like satisfaction of charlotte those backdrops are beautiful like my friend said that (laughs) nobody else did i'm like all that work for nothing i didn't even get any fame from it you know those those stupid thoughts that you have but that step forward into something i didn't enjoy and didn't understand didn't see a purpose Mm in that um prepared me to just physically paint that mural i have not painted Mm -hmm. a mural since i've not painted a mural since you know like it, yeah. it wasn't necess- it wasn't about backdrops mm. or murals, but that right. was a step in preparation for. So as mm. artists, I think we had that is just a, a step in trusting the next step in your journey that's going to mm. lead you into a place like the prison moment. I literally call mm. it the prison moment. It's just sounds mm. like something that didn't even happen to me, but the prison moment in my life. Um, mm. Yeah. There's, I, wow. I mean, I could talk about it in so many different metaphors and levels, but yes, it's just well, taking that uncomfortable step. Yeah. Sharla, thank you for being willing to share with us. I know that it's something you hesitate even sharing with your friends and 
the world around you because it is so personal. So thank you for sharing on the Boulders podcast. <laughs> and uh, I'm not saying that lightly. I, I mean it. I, I feel that um, it's a story that has needed to be told because it is so special and personal and deeply influences who you are. And I know that the work you do in teaching other artists and influencing other artists to be the best that they can be, but also not just in art, but in, in their whole life and in their whole personhood. I feel like it's important for us to know where that began in you or part of where it began in you. And so thank you for sharing it and, and letting us in. Well, thank you for listening. If everybody mm. made it, if anybody made it to the end of the podcast, thank you for listening. <laughs> I know they'll be the ones. I know they'll be the ones. There will be made some. The they will do it. And you yeah. know, just just to like finish the story in really quick, I I painted the mural over the next three days, and Francine drove me to the prison the next day and left us at the gate. And we walked into the prison alone, and they shut the prison gates behind us. And we're like, we are locked inside a prison in Africa. Like, what are we doing? Are we crazy? Like, this is insane. We're like, okay, let's just go paint and hope. Let's hope Francine and hope can get to back God that us. somebody comes back. <laughs> like, that's literally what happened. We stayed yeah. there the whole day and we painted in the African sun mm. and our backs got completely and utterly burnt to a crisp because oh, wow. we we didn't there was nowhere else to go like we weren't we didn't mm. even use the bathroom like I don't know who to ask mm. to go to the bathroom and mm. we talked to the prison guards and and the moms would hang out and the kids would come and play with us and I remember I sat at the water cooler just to get some shade and to take a break for a minute with all the ladies sitting there I, I just went and sat mm. and this lady offered me her food <laughs> like mm-hmm, she she's mm-hmm. like are you, are you hungry and she offered and it the food looked really wow. good actually it was like wow. ca- kale and rice which nice. they ate every day all day but I was like that looks I like good kale and rice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like I am not going to eat your food thank you mm-hmm. but I am not going to take food from you um you know like these there's wow. a lot of moments in there so for three days we painted in those conditions and we completed the mural. And so we have some photos of it that we'll, we'll put up and share. And um, okay, we walked out of there three days later, just completely changed people on at other wow. levels, you know, like yes. different levels that you would expect from that experience. But we did do it and it was pretty cool. We hung out in the prison and they let us go at the end of it. And they yeah. let us take photos of it too, which they told us we weren't going to be allowed to take photos, but they did okay. let us take some photos. So yeah, that that's a whole other story in itself, but that was a lot of fun. And I thought some people will be wondering what happened after I cried for eight hours. Yeah. So we did it. Well, well, and you made it through the podcast without like a lot of tears. <laughs> like <laughs> I have learned you just, You're looking you, pretty good. you stay up here. You don't let yourself sink <laughs> into that emotion. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah. Thank you everyone for joining us on the Bold Artist Podcast and listening to this amazing, profound story of Sharla Marskalk and her prison moment. And and if you haven't heard last week's episode where she shares about the Kenya girl, make sure to catch that one as well because it gives us the fullest, most full circle story to hear both of these podcasts together. So thank you everyone for joining us and until next time, keep creating. Thank you, everybody. And we're going to call this, I think, I went to prison for three days. That's what we're going to call this podcast. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)